to the You Are Infinitely Loved podcast. I'm Sam. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Koos. We believe that loving yourself is the key to transforming every aspect of your life. And it's our hope that these conversations bring you one step closer towards embracing this truth. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of You Are Infinitely Loved. <laughs> I thought you were going to forget the title of our podcast there for a moment. Never, <laughs> never. I was trying to jazz it up a little bit today. <laughs> I feel like our topic is an interesting one. Um, today, we want to speak on, kind of do more of a check-in on yeah. how we're all doing. It's been a full year since we have been under quarantine orders and we wanted to do a check-in to see how we're all coping to see how things have shifted or changed and we're particularly interested in the expectations that we've held for ourselves in the past if we're still holding them for ourselves in this whole new world mm. and if so could we offer some self-compassion and some ease to our self-expectations. Ex yeah. I think if, I don't know, if someone had told me a year ago that this would still be going on, <laughs> I mean, I don't know what I would have done. I think it's really interesting to just to realize how long we have been in this. And some of us, granted, it's been more difficult than others. I am very lucky to be in a country that is relatively... Well, I won't say back to normal because we're not, but we have a lot less restrictions than than I know you guys do in the States. But recently I've been listening to some old episodes of different people's podcasts where they were doing quarantine check-ins. And it's so funny to listen to episodes where people were checking in with one another right at the beginning of this and listening back to what people were saying back in March 2020 or April 2020. I remember there were, I've heard a lot of episodes where people were like, oh my goodness, it's day 16. <laughs> and it was like this real, we couldn't believe that this had lasted 16 days. And people were like, oh, how right. long is this going to be? And it, and it, it's 12 months later. And I mean, it's not over, right? <laughs> Well, Sam, it wasn't just other people's podcasts. I mean, it was the, ours. <laughs> the last four that we had before we restarted were all about coping mechanisms. <laughs> March 17th, taking care of yourself and others during the coronavirus. <laughs> Do you know what's funny about the date of that one, though? March 17th, I distinctly remember having a conversation with you two because I was still in Thailand. And very much of the opinion that everybody in the world was losing their minds and that it wasn't a big deal. And you and both they were overreacting, were me, Sam. Uh, I, I think you need to get back to Australia. We This is a pretty big deal. It's a global pandemic. And I was like, nah, I think it's fine. I'll just hang out here on my island. And, you know, that was March 17th when we recorded that. And by March 24th, I was on a plane. So how my entire world shifted in that seven day stretch but I do remember that episode thinking do we really need to do an episode on this I feel like this might not be a big deal you're welcome <laughs> so we don't want to say we told you so but we couldn't have predicted how long this would last but we knew it wasn't going to be a couple weeks <laughs> I think I thought these dramatic Americans <laughs> what are they thinking 
Um, no, that's rude. I wasn't thinking that, it's but I true. certainly, a little... I was pretty protected in my little bubble in Thailand back a year ago when we first recorded yeah. that episode. So yeah, it's interesting to think about, you know, at that time period, we were thinking, what will the next couple of months, max two, three months look like, you yeah. know, and how in the world are we going to stay in our houses for two to three months? Mm. And I think it's really important to look back that we've done it for a year. Yeah. And kind of to be impressed with ourselves a little bit. If you told us a year ago, this would be the forecast. I think we would have shriveled up and died. And yeah. I think our resiliency has just grown and grown and grown. And that's not to to put rose-colored glasses on and ignore the reality. Mm. But I do think that is an important piece to keep looking at is how much more resilient a lot of us have become mm. and how much more we've had to pay attention to our mental health that we've never had to do at this level before. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think it is, it's amazing to look at how resilient human beings are really, you know, and when I think right. about, I have a lot of clients that are in the UK, for example, and I guess they're in a similar position to you in the US in that things are really not good in the UK and they've had, they're in, you know, a very strict lockdown at the moment, um, which is their third kind of national lockdown. And I think certainly to the clients that I'm speaking to this time around for a lot of them feels so much harder because the first time, you know, mm -hmm. they described how they didn't really like people, we didn't really know what to expect. And, and there was a bit of a like, okay, well, we're all in this together. Let's just do this. And it was almost like this mm -hmm. new thing that people could just deal with. And then even they said the second time it was doable because for them, I guess it happened during the UK summer and, you know, they could get outside for an hour a day and it was sunny and it was whatever. They, they just managed to cope. And then this lockdown, I haven't met a single, spoken to a single mm -hmm. person that is okay with it anymore. They're like, this has been over a year now, right. it's freezing, it's winter, we can't, like, we cannot keep being locked down, like, they're really, really struggling. And so I think it's worth saying that because I I don't think that not everybody gets a chance to speak to lots of different people, particularly during this time. And so I think some people might be feeling a little bit um, disappointed in themselves that they're finding it so hard. And And I think just to know that Mm -hmm. everybody like it's really been testing this time just how long it's going on for and if you've kind of reached your the end where you're like I can't this is so hard then yeah just to acknowledge that and be like you're not alone and how can we again we'll talk about self-compassion but how can you soothe yourself through this like you don't need to be a hero right now just just getting through it is enough mm-hmm that's what I really want to focus on today is the idea of expectations we might be having for ourselves that are not realistic and not helpful and actually harmful to ourselves. Yeah. Um, I recently, Sam, I was telling you about that post I saw. Um, someone posted, the pandemic is not an artist residency. <laughs> I love and that. And it was posted kind of like in this artist group that I follow. And it really was interesting because a lot of artists are saying, oh my gosh, I have all this time to create and I just have nothing. 
mm-hmm. nothing to give, you know, and nothing to create. Mm-hmm. And the guilt they feel about that. Like, when else in my life am I going to have this much time to create? Yeah. And the reality is, is it's not like an artist retreat where you go and, you know, your meals are taken care of and all you have to do is be inspired and be with other artists and, and inspiration is about, you know, everywhere abundant. Um, mm-hmm. You can't really create from a dry well. Yeah. And so I really appreciated that post. Um, just in thinking that isn't a clear, that's not a good expectation. And I wonder how many artists were feeling that way before seeing that post. Because, it, I mean, that post got a ton of likes and reshares because people really resonated with that. Yeah. And I think- so not just in the artist community, mm. but all over the place, right? Um, I'm not selling enough at work. I'm not um, reaching my quotas. I'm not, you know, whatever it might be, even though I have more time, you yeah. know, uh, is still not realistic. Yeah. I think this is such a good point and I love what you're saying about artists and I do think, you know, this can be, this applies to so many different like types of people and and things that are going on. I know that, you know, I have clients that, for instance, thought that with all of this spare time they could declutter their homes and and do all of this Mm -hmm. stuff that they'd been planning or doing or people that were interested in maybe starting a business or a side hustle and they're like, well, now I have the time to do it and they're beating themselves up for the fact that, how how is it that now that they have all of this extra time they still can't manage to do the thing that they you know that they always wanted to do but never had the time to do I think a lot of people are like okay well maybe it was not time like am I just this am am I just all talk and no action like why I always said I couldn't do these things because I lacked the time but now I have the time and I can't do it and I think what you're saying is so true like we even if we look at our brain function, the part of the brain that needs to be operating to be creative, to be inspired, to be motivated, to make decisions, to be productive, like our prefrontal cortex is severely impaired under stress. And so when people are experiencing Mm -hmm. stress and anxiety, then that part of the brain is not fully functioning. And so for people to understand it's not about you're not being efficient with your time during a pandemic. It's about looking at the time is irrelevant if we're in an emotional state where we cannot, we we can't create new things right. and we can't come up with new business ideas and we can't, you know, reinvent the wheel. And so right. just to know you're operating under severe constraints and real emotional weight at yeah. the moment. And so if you can't do anything with with that extra time it's okay like maybe you just need to nap <laughs> again let's come back to the nap yes <laughs> take a nap yeah I was talking with my friend Gayla texting her this week about I was telling her I was feeling like I've never been so bored and so overwhelmed at the same time hmm. and what a bizarre combo that is that is such you know? a beautiful articulation because I haven't heard you say that and yet that's exactly how I feel Mm-hmm. completely overwhelmed it's bizarre utterly bored. <laughs> right the same time and even the things that used to bring me a lot of like pleasure and joy feel like eh, okay yeah i'll do this you know yeah um and that's a weird thing too to be like this is the thing i love i love doing this and it just kind of sometimes feels meh i mean sometimes it does work for me you know yeah but i guess that that's the expectation for myself i'm looking at and working on is 
it's okay right now if the things that usually bring me joy are meh. Yeah. Because that kind of matches what's going on and that's okay. I don't need uh, everything to to work the way it used to work. Yeah. And this goes back a little bit to the self-attunement piece we talked about. Mm. How do you self-attune right now um, when the world is so different? And, and this has changed us all. This experience has definitely changed every every human, I, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, but who are we now that we have this, this year under our belt mm. and more challenges that maybe are similar in the future? Mm. I don't like to think of the challenges continuing into the future. <laughs> I like to be completely oblivious and still glass half full. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you're right. And I think mm-hmm. it's interesting. I was talking to a client, more than one client actually recently, about what, you know, what they've been doing because part of coaching is very much setting action steps and holding people accountable. And I may have mentioned this on an earlier episode, but so much of my coaching has changed in the last 12 months because there hasn't been a lot of holding people accountable to actions. It's just been about helping people get through the day. But the right. the clients that do have actions and haven't been able to take them, I've been speaking to them about, you know, what's going on for them and why why they're not able to and and just asking them, you know, do you think do you think you might be depressed for instance? And some of these people have never mm-hmm. thought of themselves as someone that experiences depression. They it's like me asking that question, it had never occurred to them. And the more, you know, the more I chatted to them, the more I'm like I actually think, you know, this could be depression. And just to notice, you know, it might be something that, yeah, that a listener might want to even look at for themselves because I think if we've never had that before, we might not necessarily recognize it. But one of the things that when you're depressed, it's incredibly hard to motivate yourself to do things. And the things that used to bring you joy Mm -hmm. maybe don't feel so joyful. And I think one of the great, like when I was speaking to these clients, I was looking at Johan Hari's work on anxiety and depression, and he goes through nine different reasons, uh, causes, I guess, of anxiety and depression, two of which are biological and seven of which are social and psychological. And just so many of those seven, all of us are kind of experiencing right now, even if we never have in the past. So he talks about Mm -hmm. basically it being, you know, these unmet emotional needs and, and disconnections from things that we need. So disconnection from other people well like all of us are experiencing right that that right now he talks about disconnection from nature again so many people being locked in their homes not able to just get outside frequently and to go to different places and and be in nature um disconnection from a hopeful and secure future well for so many people who have lost their jobs or whose work has changed or even those people that do have jobs not knowing what the future holds how long this is going on for whether they'll be made redundant you know so many of us are experiencing a disconnection from a hopeful and secure future um and then he talks about um childhood trauma and how again for people now at home all the time some of these traumas are being triggered disconnection from status again a lot of people who have lost their jobs have now lost that status so basically I I mean I think that was probably five of the seven but every single one of these seven social and psychological causes of anxiety and depression that he talks about in his work there's a huge proportion of people that are experiencing this right now 
And so I think it's important to just Mm -hmm. recognize that you may, a lot of us may be experiencing depression right now. And that also has just a massive impact on what we are able to do with our time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm so glad you brought that up because I do think it's true that people are experiencing depression and anxiety at levels they've never experienced before. And it's foreign and there might be some shame around that. Um, admitting that to yourself and to others and to know this is what I feel like I'm the broken record at work saying um, this adds up, this matches, Yeah, you know, your experience matches what you're experiencing, you know, Mm. what's going on in the world. Mm. And so it makes sense that you are feeling and experiencing depression and anxiety that that makes sense, you know? Yeah. And I love that. And it's so needed. And that's absolutely Mm -hmm. Johan Hari's work is is all about that. He's like, it's anxiety and depression aren't these, like, they're basically signals that things aren't mm-hmm. okay in our lives. And we talk all the time, yeah. not us, but, people, you know, there's so much talk about destigmatizing mental health and normalizing it. And we have come a long way in that. But I still think mm-hmm. there's a ton of shame around it, you know. And whilst it's more oh, normal to still talk so about far. mental health, we're yeah. still there. I remember like to be very personal, this happened for me in the last 12 months. You were the one, Lindsay, we were having a conversation. I can't remember what month it was in. And you said, this sounds like depression. Do you think you're depressed? And I was like, ah, ah." (laughs) like, you know, for someone that I can spot it in other people, I couldn't spot it in myself. Mm -hmm. And even though I can say, yeah, I. And that's what I'm talking. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, go. I I was just going to say, it it seems like the people who are not used to seeing it in themselves, I think are the people who are at greater risk for not realizing this is depression. This is, this matches what you're experiencing because it is so foreign. Yeah. And I am not, I am one of those people that I'm not used to experiencing it. Um, Mm -hmm. I have had Mm -hmm. moments, like I've had depression in my past, um, but not for a very long time. And I think I really identify with being an optimist and being like full of life and excited by life. And, and I think when I talk about like, it's very, it was easy for me to say, Oh, wow, this has been a, like, this is such a hard year. And like, Oh, I'm not, I'm feeling flat, but to Mm -hmm. actually be like, Oh, Oh, I, I actually might be depressed Again, I think for a lot Mm -hmm. of people that feels like a really heavy label and something that they don't want to say depressed because, again, it has all of these associations with what that means. I think people are more willing to say, I'm feeling a bit crappy. But, yeah, when you pointed it out to me, I was like, yeah, actually, (laughs) actually I am. And, again, for me, luckily, because of of the work that, that we do and the conversations we have, that realization for me allowed me to be more self-compassionate. Whereas, you know, for a lot of the clients I have who are like, oh yeah, maybe I'm depressed. They don't go straight to self-compassion. They go to, oh God, like they almost beat themselves up for being depressed. Whereas, whereas totally. at least my totally. kind Pull of, yourself together. Yeah, together. exactly. Whereas I was like, oh, okay, maybe I don't need to um, like- beat myself up for not finishing my to-do list. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like a sign of weakness and you don't want to show up weak. Mm-hmm. And I'm used to finishing my to-do list. Why can't I do that right now? Especially with all this free time. Yeah. 
you know, so that's total permission to beat yourself up. You know, I mean, no, it's not permission, but we feel um, (laughs) as though it is, you know? Yeah. And like, again, the labels that we use, like so many, me included, but my clients saying, oh, I'm just so lazy at the moment. Uh, Mm -hmm. I just keep watching Netflix. I can't bring myself to do anything. And it's like, well, that's weird. Who's watching Netflix right now? That seems odd. I know. Sam, do you have any stats on how many people are watching Netflix right now? I joked because I looked up stats before this episode and actually Netflix, well, the kind of stats that I saw was that video streaming, people watching Netflix is up by 71%. We know that Netflix, like their growth went through the roof over the last year. But in the first three months Mm -hmm. of the pandemic, they added 16 million subscribers. (laughs) We know in the UK, the average viewing time Mm -hmm. for an adult during the pandemic is six and a half hours (laughs) a day. That's that's like a view. It's not even phone time. (laughs) It's quite, it's, yeah, it's excessive. But again, I think, Sam, have you seen the comedian Matt Bouchelle's clip on how he finished Netflix? <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, it's pretty brilliant. It's pretty funny. <laughs> I love it. But I think to notice it's not necessarily that you're lazy. I think a lot of us, as I say, don't have a lot of um, emotional or mental capacity right now. And so we're looking, again, it's a coping mechanism. We're looking for something that is comforting maybe entertaining a bit of an escape something that we don't need to use our minds on you know a lot of us probably thought at the start of the pandemic that we'd yeah learn new skills and become these incredible humans that reach their potential and that we could be studying in our spare time and doing all of this stuff but as we said earlier in this episode you know that that requires motivation it requires um, a healthy brain it requires a certain energy And maybe you don't have that right now and that's okay. It doesn't mean I don't want people to be labeling themselves as lazy. Well, maybe you do, Coos. Maybe you do. I don't know, Sam. I mean, picking up something like propagating succulents, it's easy. You don't have to do much. (laughs) I mean, you really have learned, right? Sourdough bread, succulents. We had a listener concerned that Sam was making fun of Coos's succulent propagating and couldn't understand why. My gosh, maybe we should show everyone what it looks like. I think it would be because once you see it, you'll be hooked. If people saw it now, because <laughs> even what it looks like now, you've come a long way since you showed me the first leaf in that box of dirt. <laughs> no, they have come a long way. I have done absolutely nothing. Oh, I like succulents. As much as I love this becoming a succulent podcast to get back on track. <laughs> well, I do want to ask though, what are some tools that we can use to, you know, set or reset expectations? Mm. I feel like just even looking at our expectations with the backdrop of all the layers of stress and chaos behind it mm. is a great tool. You know, to say to use the words like is this to-do list reasonable? given that I'm in the middle of a pandemic and like in the U S uh, past few months, political unrest, oh, is yeah. it realistic? Do I have the actual energy right now? Um, given all these layers in the background to do this entire list, 
you know, can I prioritize just part of this list right now and to give myself some compassion to say, if I have the energy, I can do these other things. But if I don't, I need to honor myself and honor the reality Mm. that this is not the time to maybe level up. Yeah, I love that. This is definitely not the time to level up people. (laughs) I think, again, it's, it's, which I know we've spoken about before in this podcast, but I think it's a helpful reminder of getting back Mm -hmm. to basics. You know, what are the, how can we just take care of our physical and mental and emotional health right now? And anything above that is a huge bonus because actually in, in looking up, you know, Netflix statistics and things like that, I, I was looking up all sorts of statistics during the pandemic and not only do we know that things like, you know, anxiety and depression are, are rising at a, at a crazy rate. But what that also means is there were some really alarming statistics on, on sleep disturbance and the fact that so many more people mm-hmm. are not sleeping right now. And, and that goes hand in hand with anxiety, mm-hmm. right? It's a vicious circle in that when you're anxious, you find it difficult to sleep and a lack of sleep right. makes you more anxious. So things like, you know, can, can we just be focusing on, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, having three meals a day, like real, real basics. And then, yeah, I think your tool of like re-look at that to-do list. Is it realistic? Pair it back, you know, make it mm-hmm. make it as simple as can be and know that it's okay to have a completely reduced capacity right now. You wouldn't be, I don't know who you are if you're not, <laughs> if, you're, if you don't have a reduced capacity. I, I want to know what pills you're on and I'll start <laughs> Well, beyond doing <laughs> illegal drugs, um, another another helpful tool, no judgment if that's how you're coping, you do you, uh, but another helpful tool that I think we're kind of letting slip a little bit in self-care is boundaries. Mm. I think a lot of us have let our boundaries slip. Uh, Sam, you talked about our work boundaries slipping. Now that we're working from home, there yes. is no like line of demarcation of this is work time, this is home time. Yes. And how much more people are working right now. Yeah. And that was a study I looked at. Look, I feel like I've done more research than I thought. The Harvard Business Review published a paper on this and was looking at globally how like there's been a real increase in working hours because there are no lines between work and home anymore. And because people aren't commuting, they're still like they're getting up, they're starting their work day when normally they would have been getting on whatever, a bus or a train or in the car. And so they, you know, they did a huge study where they were looking at the time that people were logging on to certain software and when they were logging off to, which is how they looked at what a person's work day was. You know, it wasn't what it was reported to be. It was like, when are these users actually checking their emails? When are they on these project management software? Like what's going on? And they found that overwhelmingly, there's like an increase in every single country of people working longer hours because we don't have these boundaries around our home and our work life anymore. A huge increase in the number of meetings. And again, I guess that's because there isn't, we're not in a physical workspace anymore with our colleagues. And so we need to be meeting people more often. And that impacts people's workload because just because you have a meeting you know, then you still have to go and do all of the work that's been discussed in the meeting. So it's almost like these additional meetings are just additional, yeah, uses of our time, but it's not, they're not helping reduce the amount of work that people have. They're in fact, increasing the amount of work that people have. So I think you're, you're so right. Being able to 
set better boundaries to have conversations you know I don't I don't know who your people's bosses are or team leaders but to start having conversations around this to say look we we need to make sure that there are some kind of rules around around working hours and and what we're able to manage during this time because I think also for for the people who are in positions of leadership or management or you know it's a first for them too so I don't necessarily think it's like this they're putting their employees under the pump I think none of us realized that this would be how we were going to work and live and we haven't done it before and so I think Mm -hmm. you know just being able to have these conversations and realize oh maybe we do need to bring in place systems and structures and boundaries to help people with the fact that there isn't this physical kind of workplace that we go to that is a boundary in itself. Mm -hmm. I would also say another area to be cautious of or aware of is you might be saying, oh, I'm working from nine to five, but I should work a little bit later because I took an hour long lunch break and I took a break here and I took a break there. But the reality is, is your brain is still in work mode, even with those breaks. Mm -hmm. And so I think having much clearer end times, start and end times, you know, whether it's a ritual of I close a laptop, I turn the phone off. Yes. And I begin, you know, some kind of small ritual. Um, I do a, a small workout or I, you know, yeah. have my evening tea, whatever it might be, just to be like, this is the sign that I'm telling my body that I'm now transitioning to home life. Yeah, I think that's so helpful. Rituals are really Mm -hmm. important at kind of marking those different things. And it might be, again, it's something that people may not have even been aware they had this already factored in before when they were going to a workplace because the ritual was, you know, get up, get dressed, brush your teeth, go to work, like get on your, get in your car or whatever. That's the ritual, Mm -hmm. but take that away. You know, we don't even need to get dressed anymore. And that's, that's a joke. But at the same time, when that isn't there, when people are just kind of, yeah, in this bizarre work, life, everything is mixed, you know, I think Mm -hmm. those rituals are even more important to, to mark and end our days. Well, the other uh, group to consider too are parents with kids. Let's talk about the parents. It's hard to go to daycare or you have to do virtual schooling Mm -hmm. and, you know, and you have to work at the same time. And by the end of the day, you know, they come up, I don't even know if if it's new or not, the term revenge bedtime procrastination which feeds into the whole like you're not getting enough sleep because you're like oh it's nighttime i'm free kids are in bed i'm gonna do all the things i want to do that i wish i could have done if the kids were at school or at daycare and then you're up until one in the morning and then the next day you gotta be up at six and there you go yeah yeah that's such a good point and i think for parents it's not only that you've lost that you know, now, now you're kind of, you don't have that separation and that space. So, and you're kind of got this added responsibility of helping out with homeschooling, but then even with all of that, at the end of the day, then you have kids that also are going through a pandemic and so are having their own Mm. mental and emotional challenges. And so it's not like, you know, these I just feel like even the time when they're not in school, it's hard for the kids too, which makes it even harder for the parents because you're also trying to trying mm-hmm. to cope with how it is that you, you know, help your kids with the fact that they don't, they're missing their school, they're missing their friends, they're grieving things. And so it's like this added challenge of 
of yeah being being this emotional support for kids that are going through a pandemic uh on top of homeschooling mm-hmm. on top of work on top like it's yeah I don't <laughs> how are you surviving bongs how are you doing this we're not. <laughs> no. Well, we had we set we just expectations. Mm-hmm. The kids are alive today. That's good enough. <laughs> no, no. I would say you know, there is actually an article. Uh, I believe it's New York Times where they've been following three mothers across the country. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. And their experiences as the pandemic has unfolded, and it it really is heartbreaking to read because. Moms have already been, I mean, predominantly moms have already been stretched so thin. Mm. And to put all of this on top of an already stretched thin workforce Mm. is, is just too much, you know? So to bring things to a, this is a dark place, but child abuse has been through the roof. Mm. Absolutely. Um, People working for child welfare, their cases, their casework, their loads are through the roof. Yeah. And so to know that like we can we can talk about the surface stuff of how do you cope today, but there is actual crisis going on. And so I think for our listeners who are more in that place. Yeah. um, Just to kind of notice that this is this makes sense. It matches. Right. If we're in crisis with our families, it matches what's going on. And so always, 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 the question is, who can I ask for help? How can I ask for help? And to really get to that vulnerable and humble place where there's no way you can do this parenting, this, this stuff well right now. Mm. And the media might make it look like it's these fun memes and crazy, silly stories, you know, Um, and that helps us, you know, lighten it. But the darker parts of this is that people aren't okay. And it's mm. normal to not be okay right now. And yeah, just to keep keep that on the back burner. If you are really unwell, you have to, have to, have to ask for help. Mm. And it is available. It might take a hot minute to find because resources are stretched. But I also think your kids probably are going to need some therapy after all yeah. this. You know, yeah. everyone's kids, you know, honestly, yeah. are going to need to do some massive social work around children who've experienced this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my nephew hasn't seen another kid in a year and he's six. Yeah. He's a first grader, you know, yeah. he missed part of his kindergarten year. And that's a critical time for development is k- kindergarten when you are with other kids and, and yeah. learning how to learn as a group. And so it, it's just really heartbreaking, you know, just to kind of see all those places, but also it's an invitation for us to pull together more and more and to share real, like our real life. This mm. is hard. It is it isn't some funny meme all the time. It's heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think if we're just in a place for compassion for others and compassion for ourselves again, you know that that's our magic pill here is the yeah. compassion, the self-compassion which leads mm. to self-love. How do you take care of yourself when things are really dark and really hard when the layers are crushing, you know? Yeah. Well, I took it to a dark place. Sorry, guys. No, I'm glad you did. You took it to a real resident place. therapist. The resident therapist has to has to go there because to continue this very real discussion, you know, I I, I can't think of a time, and maybe there has been, but certainly not in in my lifetime, when you know when you think about the struggles that people are going through and asking for help, which I agree, this is what we have to do, right? Is ask for help, but also to recognize right now so much of the help 
that maybe in the past we could have used right now, we can't even rely on. Like we can't, for example, parents that need, maybe they're, they're used to ask the grandparents for help. Well, we can't be, you know, grandparents' health is at risk. Mm-hmm. So, and we can't be asked. Basically, all of the people that we would have turned to for help, our friends and our family, are mm-hmm. also going through this and potentially need their own help. Right. And so we've taken away our right. support networks. And so then it's like, okay, well, maybe we need to rely on professional help, which we do. And then looking at, as mm-hmm. you say, Lindsay, you know, resources are stretched, but they're there. But I think without going so into so much darkness and negativity I think the the thing to come from this is as much as we need to absolutely ask for help from those that we can right now we need to learn self-compassion because more than ever we need to know how to help ourselves because there are so many restrictions on the Mm -hmm. people that can help us at the moment just because of the very nature of this this virus and that we can't be interacting with all of these friends and family that can lend a hand, we can't even get to them sometimes because they have to be isolated. So looking at, okay, well, if I'm it, like if I'm my source of help, how can I do that? How can I be self-compassionate? How can I nurture myself? How can I give myself more grace? How can I talk to myself in a kinder voice? How can I take some things off my plate? Like, what can I do for me mm-hmm. because I might not have these other sources of help that I usually would? Yeah. What is not going to be helpful, I believe, is beating yourself up for what you're not doing. Yeah. And I do think right now the lowest hanging fruit is to take stuff off your plate yeah. and take your expectations of what you should be doing off your plate. You know, at the end of the day, if everyone's healthy and man, it's kind of it, right? If everyone's healthy and and okay, that might be a a win. That might be a good day, you know? And if that were the case, maybe a year ago, before all this started, that would be a pretty low bar. Yeah, exactly. And yet right now that might be a high bar and just acknowledge that difference, the massive difference of what a high bar and a low bar looks like now. Yeah. It's like, what are those, you know, I'm always talking to people in a coaching sense about their metrics for success. And I think it applies now, like, you know, what are our metrics for, has this been an okay day? And maybe it is just that everybody at the end of the day is healthy and still standing. Like, you know, we don't have to have these high bars of happiness and fulfillment and engagement and all the other great things that we want. Absolutely. We want them. But right now, you know, maybe it's a different metric. Right. I joke a lot about if Oprah had written a book and published it this year called how to live your best life. Now we would have been like, Oh, Oprah, read the room. Oh God. No. Right. Yeah. Last year though, that'd have been a fine book for her to publish. We would have, we would I would have bought it. Right. And so just even notice that piece. Um, it's a different world we're living in and we have to learn to adjust our expectations to this new world. Yeah. And I think 12 months ago, you know, if we are really looking at this pandemic check-in and and how it shifted in the past 12 months, I definitely think at the start of this, there was a lot more of that, like live your best life. Let's make the most of this Mm -hmm. opportunity. This is a huge Mm -hmm. moment for us to pause, to use all of this time. And I know there were really like, Um, what now we can look at as completely insensitive and tone deaf tweets that at the time, again, it was the beginning. So I guess maybe people Mm -hmm. weren't realizing, but it was, you know, I'm thinking of these tweets along the lines of um, 
if by the end of this pandemic you haven't a learned a new skill b you know started a side hustle or c improved your knowledge of blah 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 then what are you doing with your time you know those type of like there was a lot of like bizarre Mm -hmm. you know make the most of this this is the opportunity to unlock your potential and and again I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily think that was coming from a from a the wrong intention at the time I think it was just a complete lack of awareness about what we were about to face. But I think now if anyone was seeing that stuff 12 months in, like, you know, Absolutely. I'd be like, yeah, you'd, you'd be unfollowing. You'd be roasted alive <laughs> online. You'd be like, what? <laughs> Please. Because I think, you know, we've all come to realise that, that, or hopefully, <laughs> that that's an unrealistic expectation to put on ourselves. Absolutely. So, again, if culturally it's not okay then it's not okay to do to yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, you know, to wrap things up for today, so much of our podcast is about self-compassion as a tool for self-love. And we cannot stress enough how much being gentle and kind to yourself is the way forward. It's the only way out. And if there are some parts of you that are being judgmental or critical of yourself, Ask those parts what they need to feel loved and safe. You know, how do we get to a safer place in ourselves so that we can practice self-compassion? I love that question. And for me, a really simple tool that I have been using on and off, particularly this week, but in the last 24 hours, because confession before this podcast started, I was talking about how I've been beating myself for procrastinating because I'm moving house tomorrow. And so, you know, it's funny to have this conversation because really I yeah, have really been beating myself up going, you're not getting your stuff done. You haven't packed enough. You're not doing enough. Like, what are you, you why are you procrastinating? And then I do have these moments where I go, you need to be kind to yourself right now. You need to be compassionate. And for me, I go back to, I literally place both my hands on my heart and feel like the the weight and the imprint of my hands on my heart. And and we know it's not just airy-fairy stuff. When you do this, that weight and that pressure on your heart space turns on your parasympathetic nervous system. It calms your body. It slows your breath and you feel safe. It is part of, they call it, you know, the mammalian like mammals caregiving system and so I've been using that a lot Mm -hmm. this week again it's not something that I it takes me a second to realize that I'm being mean to myself and then I go oh you're being mean to yourself oh just put your hands on your heart right now (laughs) breathe try and Mm -hmm. be kind and it instantly feels better and then it doesn't mean that you know I might find myself back in that loop an hour later I'm like, oh my gosh, look at you. What are you doing? And then I'm like, oh, here we go again. (laughs) Hands on the heart. You know, I think, again, it's not beating ourselves up for the fact that we have to keep getting ourselves out of that loop. And that I I think that's the other thing. People are like, I've learned, why am I not doing this? I know what I need to do to take care of myself. And it's like, you can learn the same thing a hundred thousand times. You just need to keep doing it. It's a practice, you know? And we also have decades of programming for the other, the opposite way. And so we're trying to undo 
all of our learning, all of our programming, and that takes a minute. Yeah. And yeah. it's okay that, that those are the ingrained parts of us that we have to question and work through. That makes yeah. sense. Ah, oh, that should be the theme of this podcast episode. That makes sense. <laughs> you makes feel sense. like rubbish? That makes sense. Want to pull uh-huh. your hair out? That makes sense. <laughs> Wish you could scream down the house? That makes sense. <laughs> Wish you didn't have kids? That makes sense. <laughs> Whoa, too far, Sam. Too far, but... But maybe not. <laughs> Wish we went through the pandemic. That makes sense. Wish it was 2022 and we could put this nightmare behind us. That makes sense. <laughs> it all makes Remember sense. Remember we said that about 2021? I know. And here we are. Oh, yeah. Maybe I've spoken <laughs> too soon. Oh, here's hoping. <laughs> well, I think that's a good place for us to end this episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And... We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. Our hope is that each day you feel more connected to the knowledge that you are infinitely loved. If you want to continue this conversation, you can find us at yourinfinitelyloved.com.